grabs a large branch that is essentially the size of a tree mm-hmm. and joins Rab in the fight. She manages to knock Nagru tail over a tea kettle, and he howls at his horde to kill her and Rab. The two fight back to back as the rats close in. And we're like, Badger, Blood Rage, let's go! It's a, a deep rumble shook Muta's huge frame. Anger and hatred shone in the Badger's dark eyes. With unbound strength, she sees the thick, overhanging limb of a dead white beam. Her sinews stood out like ropes as she tore it from the trunk with a resounding crack. Regardless of twigs and splinters, Muta swung the large limb above her head, and like a whirlwind, she thuttered forward, launching herself upon Nagru and his vermin. Keen as a march wind through a storm-lashed forest, a high-pitched whine tore from her throat. The wide, twigged end of the bow caught Nagru, sending a muzzle over tail, soaring high into the air like a dead leaf. The fox wolf flooded painfully against a hornbeam, his shocked eyes taking in the destruction Muta was wreaking in his horde beasts, as he fought to regain his breath. Finally, he managed to shout, Kill them both! Mingle! Raven Eye! Surround them! Use arrows! Cut them down with spears! Anything! Yeah. And I thought they were setting this up for Mariel and Dandon to save the day, but no, actually. They were, we're setting this up so that these two are going to be found later, like, being healed by somebody. Like, we're probably, that's probably going to, how they're going to set up, like, the book healer or the book mystic's going to come in and be like, oh, I found these two in the river, you know. Yeah. Or, I mean, depending on the way rivers flow, it would be very amusing if these two ended up at Redwall somehow, if they <laughs> fell in the river and they got, like, washed all the way to Redwall. I wouldn't put it past that Brian That would be that. weird, considering Mossflower flows south. Yeah, but again, Brian takes dubious care with directions and how geology and stuff works. Mm. Streamology. Meh. <laughs> I'm Meh. sure it won't happen, but it would be very amusing. Yeah. I don't remember this book very well. I only read it once! I don't think I ever read this one. Uh, the next chapter opens with the writings of Abbot Saxtus. Uh, and like I said before, I'm very delighted at the closeness of these past few books. Uh, <laughs> catching us up with what's been happening at Redwall the past four seasons. Some folks have passed on, new children have been born, and so on. He also has like a little tangent about small bees being absolutely <laughs> brainless. Yeah, so, like, um, the people who have died are Abbot Bernard, Friar Cocklebur, and Old Gabriel Quill. So, sad losses. But they were old. Exactly. I mean, were... you know, Simeon's still there, so he's... Yeah, that's because I don't think Simeon's ever gonna die. No, he won't. <laughs> uh, he reports how Joseph, Mariel's father, is deeply worried about her. They hadn't had any news of her for a while from any passing beast or bird. He'd even had a visit from Martin in his dreams. The Martin of this era of Redwall being very inclined to dream visits. Uh, <laughs> yes. But wasn't yet ready to confide what that dream was. And it just, it makes me, like, I'm delighted how Martin is just this saintly figure who will come into dreams to give help and advice. And part of me is just like, okay, so if he's a saint, like, we had Saint Ninians. So we know that saints actually do exist in this world. The badgers. It's just the badgers. The badgers. I'm just like curious, like what other saints exist? Like there have to be other saints, aside from the badgers, but also like like mice saints, squirrel saints. What, who else is out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
religion. Vague, 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 and nebulously Christianish esque religion. Christianized druidism. I don't know. <laughs> a knock on the gatehouse door calls Saxtus back to reality and to dinner. It's Joseph who has come to fetch him. Like he even says, like, oh, only one person in the abbey knocks, uh, like. Uh, like an oak tree, and it's Joseph the Bellmaker. Um, <laughs> the pair genially tease each other, Joseph teasing Saxistus for putting on a little weight, and Saxus teasing him back for his age. Joseph gets revenge by outpacing Saxus until the young abbot begs him to slow down. He wonders why everyone is in a hurry today. He even spots Formal hot-footing his way towards the abbey. He informs them that there's no rush, it's just that Oak Tom and Tree Rose had dropped in for summer that night. So they ask uh, Formal if anybody else has uh, come in, and to the abbot's dismay, Formal tells them that Tarkin, Rosie, and their twelve children have come by. Twelve oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord! Oh Lord, they coming! Oh Lord, they coming! Oh, the poor Redwallers! God, that's so many, so, so many, many leverets. Joseph comforts him with a tease. He wouldn't mind sacrificing a meal to the bottomless hairs since his dream is beginning to sort itself out. He knows enough to share the first verse of what Martin had said to him. Let's see. With 16 more faces at the table, Bellmaker recalls his quest. At daylight's last gleam, you'll remember my words whilst you were at rest. Fucking riddles. Fucking like Martin, Martin, come on, Martin. Why can't you just speak? Martin, no, no, Martin, no, Martin, sir, no, riddles only. Martin makes some sense. No, No. uh, Saxus puts it to rest for the moment. Uh, blah blah blah. Skipped a sentence. Formal is baffled by it. Joseph admits he is baffled as well since he can't recall the rest. Saxus puts it to rest for the moment by distracting Joseph with the sound of his own bell. It rings out, calling beasts in to supper. A batch of dibbons march over from the orchard, singing a little ditty. And they're well-behaved enough to let their elders <laughs> go inside first. Give us dinner every eve, or we'll pack our bags and leave. Where we'll go to, we don't know. Up the path a league or so. If we don't find comfort there, back to Redwall we'll repair. We'll eat puddin' pie and cake. All the abbeys cooks can make. And so the abbot can tell that this horde of dibbons has been in the strawberries since they're covered in the red sweet evidence. They are stained. Mm -hmm. They are sticky. Uh, He asks one little mouse if they've room for supper. And this little mouse is like rotund with strawberry. Yeah. Uh, A a tiny mouse babe covered from ear to tail with strawberry pulp and seeds puffed out his chest and squeaked. Most artist job I do to me all life, sir, because they're like playing at like being guards, like they've been guarding the strawberry patch, um, which is their excuse for eating it all. <laughs> yep. Uh, and an equally little mole says that they do indeed have room. They're growing after all and need the energy. So Saxus, Formal, and Joseph agree. Firstly, though, the little imps need a bath. With a cheerful call to charge, Joseph leads them to the shallow end of the abbey pond with a promise that whoever is the cleanest first gets the biggest meal portion. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, Redwall, charge! Uh, Redwall! 
<laughs> Zoom. <laughs> Uh, it's a regular feast that night, as it usually is at Redwall. The hares are delighted, of course, calling out every favorite dish they see, which is all of them. Um, <laughs> at the head table, blind Simeon and Mother Mellis sit with Saxus and Joseph. Everyone is starting to dish up, and Saxus realizes he has forgotten to say grace and stands up to do so. Who are you praying to? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, he gets silenced by ringing a small bell made by Joseph, and then is interrupted by the arrival of the freshly washed Dibbins. Uh, they scamper over to stand by Mellis, who tells them to shush. Uh, once they've settled, <laughs> he begins the prayer. Fate and seasons smile on all, from sunrise to the dark nightfall. This bounty from both earth and tree was made to share twixt you and me. To Mother Nature let us say, our thanks for life and health this day. Okay, so he does say right there, Mother Nature, vague nature goddess figure, okay. All right. It's something, Christianized I Druidism, I guess. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. We're, we're, Kit, we're never getting an answer to this, and you know that. I'm still going to be mad about it. You can't stop me. I know. The feast is as toothsome as ever. Joseph seems a bit reluctant to eat, though, wondering when his dream will be revealed. Saxtus encourages him to eat, and when he goes to do so, a cheeky mouse swipes some of his food. It's yeah, a little exchange him. where Saxtus is reminded of his own food swiping dibbin days. Cheeky. The, the very cheeky. The meal ends when the dibbins begin to drift off to sleep. Saxtus calls for those on dormitory duty to take them to bed. When they protest, uh, Oak Tom laments how he'd love to go to bed, but no, he has to stay up and help clean and wash dishes. Tarkin agrees. Some kind Dibbins would like to stay up and help, though. The Dibbins make a mad scramble for bed, saying goodnight as they do so. Uh. Oh, man. Uh, you ain't catching me, chores! The golden hour sets in soon after. Abbot Saxtus goes to join Joseph, staring at the illuminated tapestry of Martin. He announces to the other Redwallers how Joseph has been worrying over Mariel and Danton, and how Martin had come to visit Joseph in a dream. Joseph hardly hears the abbot. He is talking quietly, as if to someone else. As the sun finally sets, he turns to the assembly, announcing he will now speak the words Martin had spoken to him. And it does not matter how many books we read, this shit will always give me goosebumps. It's good. It's like the good kinds of prophecy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, like, Saxus is, like, gets up as though he's, like, in a daze and, and just does, like, some, like, spooky shit, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's good, is the thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, we return to Mariel, Dannon, and Boley as they settle down for lunch and an afternoon nap in a much greener and cooler part of the country. Uh, Mariel is awoken by a distant ruckus, and upon waking Bully, his sharp young ears pick up on a mole being bullied. He can even point them to the nearby hill where it seems to be happening. And it is indeed a mole in need of rescue, a large old fellow giving six rats the best he can. Off to the side, three small moles are being held back by a seventh rat. The mole bellows defiance, he won't respect no fox wolf, the squirrel king is the only one he knows. Having he's like, I ain't gonna, he's like, I ain't gonna tug my nose to no fox and wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Cantankerous old man. It's good. Having not yet been spotted, Dandan says he and Mariel will take the six, can Boley take the seventh? 
And Bowley does so, taking the rat out with one of the petrified oat cakes. Like, he just beans in between the ears, like, so fast. Just, like, discuses this rat. He's got no good hesitation. aim. He does. Uh, he, che- he cheekily asks Dandy what he should do next. Dandin, of course, is not pleased. Uh, they have lost the element of surprise now. Uh, Bully is great. I love, I love this Bully. child. He's Very just like, good. okay, I took the rat out. What are we doing I now? I did what you said, and Dandin is like, god damn it. It's like you had one job, kid, and it wasn't time to do it yet. Yep. He hadn't said that, though, so you know. Yeah. He can't be mad. Mariel struts forward with her new gullwhacker, facing the rat captain's arrogance with her bravery and the end of her gullwhacker. <laughs> After she knocks one of his teeth out, he calls for more help on a whistle until the old mole kicks him over. Uh, knowing that he'd summoned back up, the two leap into the fight with gusto. Dandon swipes his spear and uses it instead of his dagger. Mariel makes good use of the gullwhacker, and Bully uses the remaining oatcake as a bludgeon. I feel like she should then, call this one the Rat Whacker, but I guess it doesn't have the yeah, same yeah. ring to it. Yeah, it's a Gull Whacker. Come on. <laughs> Ten more rats come into the fray with three, uh, the three and a half adults surround the young moles with the mole and bully now holding stolen spears and daggers. We learn the rat that Mariel had deed tooth is Captain Braglin, one of Nagru's crew, and he is furious. Yeah, how dare you make me lose a tooth? Some of the rats have bows and arrows, and they clearly plan to use them. Dandan softly scolds Bully once more for ruining their chance to surprise attack the rats. Mariel knows that desperate times call for desperate solutions. She doesn't give the rats time to fire, instead leaping forward with ferocity. She manages to take the captain hostage, but he counters by having one of his best archers take aim at her. It's a standoff. Bully asks, what are they to do? And Dandon says to wait. It's up to Mariel and the archer to make the next move. And he's not wrong. There's nothing they can really do about it at the moment. Nope. She's got a dagger to his throat and an arrow to her ear. Yep. Uh, switching to Nagru and Silvermord in their stolen castle, the pair argue and tend to their wounded bodies and pride. Silvermore giving Nagru a dressing down for his haste, and he for her foolishness at being dragged out a window. They are absolutely catty and awful to each other. They are they the are. worst. And there is no love between them. It's like, why did you two become mates if you clearly dislike each other this much? Power. Power, yeah, I guess. I, I, I guess. <laughs> I'll hurt that. Down in the courtyard, the rats lick their own wounds and drink from the quickly vanishing supplies in the castle. They share stories of the badger who'd taken out handfuls of rats awed at her power, even after they had filled her full of arrows. Yeah, we learned that basically, uh, basically Rab and Muta have been turned into pincushions. Yep. They wonder what the fox wolf will do next after this. A seasoned rat says they should know. Nagru won't rest until he has their skulls on stakes. As evening falls, he makes plans to do just that. Silvermord is giving him no sympathy, though, staring hard at him. He scolds her and demands wine, and she says that he should get it himself. 
One old badger and an otter were enough to do this to him and how and kill how many of the horde? He counters that the pair must be dead by now, so full of arrows and wounds. The only reason he hadn't followed their retreating forms was his own injuries. Otherwise, he would have skinned them both. She then reveals the truth about Nagru. He'd found the dead wolf he'd found the wolf dead half a season and stolen its pelt. She'd seen him do it. And of course he's mad now. He's like, Don't you breathe a word of this? If you tell anybody, I'll kill you. And it's just like, could we just like like have a fox for once who was just ferocious, not simply a trickster and a liar? Although this does call to mind like there's other like literary tropes that use this. Um like my brain goes to um, Narnia when the orangutan uses a lion skin to make a fake Aslan. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's what Brian is calling upon here. Probably not, but it is what I think of. Except this is less false prophet and more. Yeah, more just. Uh, well, I mean, not exactly false prophet, but he's using it to like hype up his image of being a fierce warrior. Yeah, because, like, people see a wolf skull, which, we're gonna get into this, but how big is that thing gotta be on his head? Right. Let's just save this for the end, though, or we're gonna spend a half an hour on it right now. I spent a half an hour ranting about it yesterday to people. It was fun, though. I was in a call when that when Ben asked that question, and I was like, God damn it, Ben! I 20! Would joined, I would have joined you in the call, but the thing is, is that I know that, um, it's like, I don't want to ruin our conversation today, so I'm not gonna join the call. Yeah. Uh, so he threatens her. If she says a word more, he'll make her eat her own tongue. Yeah. She remains cool. It's not him she's scared of. She's more worried about the Squirrel Queen and her child. If they don't catch them soon, she'll have the whole woods rallied against them. He walks over to her, getting practically nose to nose. He says that was exactly what he'd planned to do. And she can sit here safe and sound, keeping an eye on the Squirrel King. She says he's not a problem. He's in one of his own dungeons. Which, okay, this castle has dungeons? Why does he have dungeons? Why? Like, who is he detaining? Thieves and vermin, I guess. I guess. I don't. I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't it's it's it it you you made this point that it's just a thing like the the castle has dungeons because castles have dungeons yeah it's what you expect like yeah. even a good king has dungeons or whatever the fuck because there's gonna be people who cause trouble and yada yada and yeah. Yeah, I just hear you very aggressively scribbling on your tablet angry scuff 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 scuff. Yep. Working on a commission while we're doing this. So <laughs> like, yeah, if people haven't noticed now, I'm sure they're used to the scritch scritch in my tablet by it now. So. It generally gets cut out when we do the editing, so. Yeah, so. Anyway, the two glare daggers at each other for a moment before Nagru abruptly turns to the window and begins barking orders. He wants 40 rats and his dirge callers to rally together. Two rats, Mingle and Vengro, are the unlucky pair chosen to lead the dirge callers. The other rats are thankful it is their, not their duty to lead the legendary trackers. Because it's like, you know if they fail, they're going to get killed. Yep. That evening, we return to Serena and Truffin. They're resting on a stream bank, protected and fed by otters. Even with delicious soup in front of them, the pair haven't eaten. Uh, instead, Serena watches a comet pass by in the night sky. I'm sure that's going to have no relevance to the story. 
Who knows? Celestial uh, bodies flying by that has nothing to do with plots of stories in this era. God. A large, cheerful otter named Greenbeck tries to cajole them into eating some soup. Like, he comes out of the stream, he, like, scoops some soup out with a bowl and is, like, starts eating some himself. Um... Uh, she can't make herself, though, not knowing if her husband lives or is dead. He encourages her, eat for her little one. He'll eat if she will. Which is good advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I remember my mom doing whenever she was, like, worried about my dad. Is mm-hmm. she would still do her best to make sure that she was doing things, and so we would also do them and not worry. Establishing that sense of normalcy. Yes. And always telling us bad news over food. <laughs> tell, sorry, you cut out. Telling you bad news what? Over food. Well, I, I mean... learned I learned that my dad's submarine had gotten hit by an ocean liner and almost flipped over because my mom took us to a local steak place. <laughs> oh, no. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, where that's... else was she going to tell us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, it, it makes me think about how, how, like, when tragedies occur, like, people's response is, like, we will bring you food, we will give you food. Like, food is just, it's the it's comfort, comfort thing. It's good. Uh, and Greenbeck also points out Iris, whose husband is also most likely dead, how she's still eating to keep up her strength. She manages to eat a little, but her tears make it near impossible. Iris appears beside her, also encouraging. Serena mm-hmm. says she plans to stay and fight, but Iris points out that it's a bad idea. They're too few in number. It'd be suicide. Serena says they must stay. More warriors will come. She's certain of it. Reluctantly, Iris agrees. Maybe the displaced queen is right, even if she's sure it's death for them all. That night, little Truffin dreams of Marielle, her father, and the Joseph Bell. He forgets this all in the morning. Like fucking goosebumps. It's good. That's good shit. It's good. We return now to the noon standoff. It's high noon. It's high noon. <laughs> the rat captain orders his men to kill the little mole slowly if anything happens to him, with Mariel countering that he'd be dead and half the rats with him should they touch the little babes. Uh... At that moment, though, Mariel has to shift her weight on the shifting sand, and he makes a move. He manages to wind Mariel with a kick to the gut, but before his bowman can properly take his shot, because he'd let his, like, arm relax, mm-hmm. uh, he's toppled by a rock attached to a cord. Like, just thwack, right in the face. Like, when we say toppled, I mean killed. Yeah, he is out dead. Dead. Uh, the no hero hair part of the problem. Yep. The hero hair of the story has arrived, barking for everyone to be still. His absurd but impressive appearance leaves all slack-jawed. He's an old veteran with a tricorn hat of all things. His whiskers are in a, in a f- waxed into a fine handlebar mustache. His coat is absolutely covered in medals and ribbons, and he has massive epaulets on his shoulders. He is festooned. He is festooned. He is the model of a modern major general. <laughs> I also learned that tricorn hats were evidently at least invented or named in the 1700s. And I'm just like over here like, Brian. <laughs> and I was sitting, 
Like, I want to know what army he's from that he got all these medals from because it's it is such a silly image that really calls to mind like some kid's grandpa after World War One. It does. We get an explanation. We do <laughs> for, once. For, for once. For once, and it is it's one that actually delights me more than like it makes me happier than if there had actually been like a military uh, entity. Yeah, no, it's very good. So he has four leverets who take his orders with sharp action. He orders the four to take all of the rat's weapons, scolding one who leaps forward too early. Uh, They do as ordered, one pausing at Dandon before being scolded. Doesn't he know a good beast from a bad beast? Then the pompous old veteran introduces himself to Mario, Field Marshal Meldrum Fallowthorn, which I, to continue my tradition of looking up weird hair names, Meldrum is a Scottish uh, habitational name from a place in Aberdeenshire, first recorded in 1291 as uh, Mel- Meldrum, that's probably incorrect because I cannot pronounced Scottish words, uh, from an obscure first element and the Gaelic uh, drum or ridge. And considering he appears on the top of a hill, it's fitting. Yeah, and fallow thorn is just kind of fallow and thorn are plant words. Mm-hmm. So plant, because hares mm-hmm. are named after plants. Yep. Um, he thinks of himself quite famous and he's a bit miffed when Mariel reveals that she's never heard of him. Uh, he huffs and puffs a bit and says she will have heard of him soon enough. Uh, we learn the name of the mole, finally. His name is Ferp Straight Fur, and the three little moles are his granddaughters, Bertle, Grumby, and Porgu. Porgu. Uh, they all, yeah. <laughs> they all greet Meldrum and Mariel with tug noses and respectful burrs. Now turning his attention back to the rats, Meldrum barks his orders. They'll run over the hill, a ways away, and if they don't move fast enough, they'll be killed. And why are they letting them go? They know they're just going to come around to be problems again. I know this is the good thing to do. It's the heroic thing to do and the proper thing to do. But I'm, internally, I'm just like, they're just going to come around and cause problems again. It probably has something to do. So we've seen hairs in other books where, yes, they would absolutely not have let this happen. Like the Long Patrol would have slaughtered all of them, right? Although that's true. When you bring up the Long Patrol, to be fair to... Um, Meldrum and so on. He, he's car- carting around four kids. Yeah, not only is he carting around four kids, but he is also not a long patrol hare. So we don't know if he's actually ever like we know he's done. Like he's basically told us like in character that he has done several sorties with like individual vermin, and he's never, done. He like, has killed people. He did kill the one rat, right? But so, I think a full out and out slaughter is one it's dishonorable and two he's probably doesn't think that his cadets are ready for that yet right so exactly he's showing them the honorable thing to do which is to give them a chance right because you know i mean who knows like maybe maybe being shown mercy might actually help them i mean it never does in these particular books but in real life it can have a huge impact so the rats do as ordered, scampering. They fucking dig uh, pell mell everywhere. They book it over the hill. They are gone. They puff of smoke. After they disappear, Meldrum wait, 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 what's sc- that good old Disney sound effect? Boo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meldrum scoffs about how he never liked rats. 
Which, that's definitely, like, a hair thing. Less of a, like, generalized racism. The hairs mm-hmm. are just racist to everybody. Yeah. Uh, Bully asks Meldrum about his medals, and the hair happily starts telling him about where he'd earned each. Like, he just starts going on about all of them. They're all specialized. Runtwood, one of the Leverets, whispers to Mariel, and we learn that Meldrum is their uncle, and that he'd made those medals himself, but only, only when he'd absolutely earned them. It is very funny. I love this! Like, because, you know, he does earn them, and he makes them himself. So you can't say that, like, he's not bossing others to do it. And I'm delighted that he's enough of an artist to make good medals. Yeah. Uh, Ferp offers to give them lunch in his home, and of course, Meldrum immediately accepts the offer, because uh, Tuck is one of his favorite fucking things in the world, as it is with every hair. Um... We know how it is at this point. Um, Ferp's home is an entire hill. The whole thing. And he's got a whole tribe of moles who live there. Uh, Because the reason we use that word is because they call him the tribal patriarch, which I made a face at. Yeah. Um, He is their leader. And we learn the four Leverett's names. We've got Runtwood, Coltvine, Thurdale, and Foghill. They're given plenty of food and drink. Coltvine. Mel- That's kind of a fun name. It is a fun name. Uh, Meldrum is happily muttering about the next medal he plans to make when Foghill makes the mistake of addressing him as Uncle Mel. So he gets scolded and told to polish all of Meldrum's medals before bedtime, and, and I none of think- them are to call him Uncle Mel or Nunky. I don't think he's gonna actually hold them to doing this, though. Like, this is just his bluster, like, I am not your- don't you call me uncle, we have military you know, on Bad form, sir! Bad form, signs. For once, like, the bluster actually amuses me. This is very funny. Because, like, he's not, he's not actually bullying. Like, this is just bluster. And, like, none of the kids, it's clear that, like, none of the kids are actually scared of him or cowed and that they clearly love him very much and that he takes good care of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is what makes it charming because he takes care of these kids. It's good. It's good. Uh, the hill is full of moles, way too many to remember, and I got flashbacks to Twilight Sparkle meeting all the apples at the <laughs> apple reunion in episode one of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Uh, or when they almost... uh, me, as I'm introduced to the new teachers and the new kids in the school, you're like, oh no, I just got everyone memorized last year and now you're all changing again! Oh god! Oh god. <laughs> Uh, when they all settle down to sleep, it's almost as noisy as when they're awake. <laughs> the snores and the burrs and the sleep talk and... And the sleepwalking and... and sleepwalking and... So Mariel and Dan didn't slip outside. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh if... no, this is n- this is not gonna fly. Uh, Bully seems to be just fine, though. Uh, they find a Ferp and Meldrum chatting. Joining them, they hear how South's word has been overrun by rats and taken over by a fox. Mariel and Danden promise their help. Meldrum is all for charging in and ending the rats post-haste, but Danden, has always, as always, manages to be a voice of reason. Mariel calms the prickly old hair, and they settle down to sleep. Basically, like, Meldrum is like, oh, we should go in, and Danden's like, oh, we really should, and Meldrum is like, oh, yes, of course, exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they, they, they all settle down to sleep, or they try to. Meldrum snores so loud, they have to sneak around to the other side of the hill to sleep. 
And as they are falling asleep, we turn to Danden, who is having a moment of deep homesickness for the Abbey as he drifts off, wondering what on earth he was doing so far from the home he loves. Then he thinks of Mariel and settles down with a smile. He'd have no other life than the one he has standing beside her. They're best friends, Your Honor. They're platonic life partners, and I will hear no other explanations. <laughs> I won't argue with you. <laughs> I definitely approve of it because, like, again, like, we're not getting any romantic vibes from them. It's just that he likes being near her. He likes traveling with her. She is his best friend in the whole world. Jeans and jorts. <laughs> what? Jeans and jorts the cats. Oh. She's like, what? I don't know. Leave me alone. I, no. I like you. Yes. <laughs> You're my friend. Okay. And that's, anyway. that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the first six chapters. We yeah. will do the next batch of chapters soon. Mm-hmm. Soon. Soon. <laughs> Nebulous. Yeah. Uh, so. Just in a vague direction towards two weeks from now. Yeah. So our questions, which as a reminder to everybody, you can always send us questions about this book or previous books or even future books. We have a couple questions that are for future books. One of them is actually for this book that we've had for the past looks at watch three books. We can finally answer it. Yeah. (laughs) Not yet, but we can soon. Soon. Um, Feel free to send us questions on our Tumblr. You can send them through the Ask Box. Uh, you can find us on Discords, and there you can send them to our personal Tumblrs, and we'll try to remember to put them in our list. Um, you know, just send us questions. We enjoy, or things you want us to talk about and discuss, opinions of your own. We do enjoy talking about these things, like we are going to do in a minute when we get to Ben's question. <sighs> okay, <laughs> so, favorite weird food so far? I mean, we haven't like, really had any. Yeah, and they're they might not be edible, but the oat cakes. <laughs> I do like the oat cakes; that amuses me greatly. Yeah, they're no longer edible, but they are still food. They make they make good weapons. I uh, has there been that. an has there been an animal that has a surprise uh, appeared that has surprised you slash subverted expectations yet? No, I mean, okay, the, I guess Meldrum has because he's a hair that i actually like because you know usually i am not fond of the hairs <laughs> this is the second one so this far damn second, this is the second hair so far that i don't hate uh so yeah i consider that that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah, yeah. um well we'll see how long that lasts like <laughs> this is again like he's only been around for a chapter but if he keeps this going he might be the second hair that i actually enjoy reading about God damn! Yeah, to keep the, put to put that on a chart or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I, there hasn't really been anything yet so far. We're in the first part of the book. Sometimes shit like this pops up that is just like God damn, and other times it's like what the fuck. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's what is your book? What is your favorite part so far? Oh, Fuffle and um, Muta dancing. That was such truffin. a good fuffin, fuffin, truffin, truffin, whatever. Fuffle, fuffle, fuffles from a different book. Uh, truffle, truffle. truffle. Do you know how badly I keep wanting to call him Truffle? It was typo to Truffle a couple times. I know, sorry. Um, but Truffin, like dancing with Muta, like that moment of turning the humiliation into joy, that was really good. I liked that a lot. Uh, Saxtus and Joseph coming under the, uh, uh, the Abbey spell. 
Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the payoff for that. <laughs> uh, we'll skip the next question because it's an end-of-book question. Yeah. So, from Ben in the server. The question that has haunted me for 20 years of my life. <laughs> what size do you think wolves are in Redwall? Since animals seem to be kind of tending towards a median size, with some being a head or so taller, but not many being much bigger. This question, audience, has haunted me ever since I first read this book. Haunted me. (laughs) Because I was a wolf kid. I was the wolf girl. I bit people and pretended I was a werewolf. I was a I was a little bastard of a kid. I was the wolf kid. I'm not surprised. My my original Redwall Sona was a wolf. (laughs) Who became Bodica, if you remember, Kit. Yes, I love Boudica. Bodica. Boudica. Boudica is an actual historical figure. Oh right. Okay. Bodica okay. And Bodica's name is spelt different. Okay. Original character do not steal. Exactly. Also, I didn't realize that was actually, like, a, a name. I, I, I didn't know she existed when I... Listen. I told you about her. After the fact! Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so this question has haunted me for years because uh, wolves are bigger than people. Well, Wolves yeah. are bigger than humans. Wolves are huge. Foxes are smaller than people. Much smaller, in fact. Mm-hmm. That skull, that wolf skull on top of of Nagru's head should cover his whole head. And some. well, actually, it does. Hold on, let me get the 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 friend and foe book out, where it's got our fun little artworks. Ergen Nagru. Oh no, it doesn't. It does just sit on his head. Thus, art shows it is actually being smaller than him, and the pelt being smaller. Mm -hmm. Well, the pelt I could understand, because, like, in theory, potentially there was, like, it it shrank when he cured it, because I I hope he cured it. I mean, he probably didn't, but I would hope that he cured it. You remember how I have a wolf pelt? Yeah. And my wolf pelt is from an adult wolf female who was about 66 inches at the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it is still almost as tall as me. That's true, and we've got. And that's a small wolf. I think that this is definitely a case of Brian is using um, the animal size is relative to what we think it should be. So, like to fit on the fox, it is of a specific size, like to be yeah. a coat. Honestly, like if we really, really wanted to just kind of take the piss out of Ergen Nagru. <laughs> This is not a full-grown wolf. <laughs> well, considering it died too, we uh, like if if what she says is true about him skinning it after dying, it could have been a young wolf who couldn't cut it alone. Yeah. So yeah, that's very possible. It's and entirely I mean, possible. Considering how rare it is to see wolves in the Redwall narrative and setting, it wouldn't surprise me if none of them knew enough to tell the difference between a young wolf and an old wolf. Yeah. But it's still one of those things where it's like. Why, though? How big are wolves? Because here's the thing. Otters, in real life, 
otters, badgers, and foxes are kind of roughly the same-ish size. Yeah. Like, foxes are a little bit bigger in real life. Mm. Badgers and otters are the same size. River otters can get pretty, pretty big, though. River otters from the UK, though, not so much. Yeah. And they are the same size as uh, European badgers, which are the badgers that we are specifically focusing on. Foxes tend to be a little bit bigger than them. And then wolves. <laughs> and then wolves happen. Wolves are giants! If they were, if we went with, like, they are actually, like, wolf size, like, in comparison, even if we were kind of going with this median size, they would be huge! Mm -hmm. You think the badgers are big in these books? <laughs> the wolves would be giants! They would be the size of, you know how a lot of times we get the birds of prey are, like, several times larger than everybody else? Mm -hmm. It'd be like that! Like, yeah. it, just, like, it blows... I, when I made my my original, like, Redwall OC, like, the wolf pirate captain, I was, like, constantly, like, how big is she? The si the Her ship has to be huge! The, the ultimate answer we came up with was, their size is whatever is needed for the story. Yes. Like, do they need to be big enough to, like... Be Roger Rabbit rules, it's whatever's funniest. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, the plot line's getting away from us again. Quick, pull out a badger! <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, this question has, has haunted me for 20 years of my life um, because <laughs> it doesn't... This is one of those things that Brian never properly explains because, like, to him, it doesn't matter. Right. Wolves are bigger than foxes. Wolves probably to him would have been on par with badgers. And I mean, for considering, this world. considering how many people I've, we've talked about this and they will, they do use the excuse of it's just a kid's story. So why does it matter? It matters because we're insane. Well, I know it matters because as a kid, this would have driven me nuts. That source like, me. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember like just that driving me bonkers. You know, the few times I did read Redwall again, like I used to think like, well, these are maybe like, actual mice-sized mice living in, like, a human-created building, potentially, because, you know, how would they have been able to craft all this? And then it's like, later you learn, like, oh, well, actually, they did craft it, they did quarry it all, so it's actually mouse-sized, but then you have, like, oh, this mouse fought a badger. It's like, uh, quay? Quay? Oh? Quay? Yeah, don't make no sense. It's, Just, it's, it's again, like, it's not important to the storytelling. It's that kind of fairy tale-ness of, like, you don't need to think too hard about it. See, the thing is, is the vast, like, the vast majority of kids who, who like fantasy books would not question this. Unfortunately, the kids who liked Redwall books... We were the kind of kids who questioned this. Like, a, a joke that I continue to make about things that I like is that I'm extremely normal about these things. <laughs> and kids who liked Redwall books were extremely normal about these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and by extremely normal, I mean absolutely fucking weird about it. Don't feel bad. I was too. <laughs> we're still weird about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, is life any fun if you can't just be a little weird about something? Absolutely not. Life is more fun when you're a weirdo. 
This is why cringe culture is dead and why we are questioning the size of wolves. You see, the thing is, if wolves were actually wolf-sized, the skull that Nagru is wearing would cover, like, his whole head, right? Exactly. He could basically just wear it as though it were his own face. Think, mm-hmm. like, a fucking Q-bone or something. Um, and the pelt, he could just wear it as though it were, like, a brand new pelt. Mm-hmm. And not just a weird cape that he sometimes sticks his little paws into. To show off with his, his like, wolverine-ass claws. He could just absolutely... He could have made himself a whole new skin suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. That actually would have been worse. I think he would have been much more terrifying if he was wearing a... A, 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 a taxed or sewn-up pelt that... of another animal pretending it was his own. Yeah, it would be. I think that would have been so much worse, actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. <laughs> just the, the the fridge horror of them like wearing other animal parts as is like um Silvermord and her uh her, her skirt, skirt of tails of tails like uh ma'am did you are those all from dead animals or were you just going around chopping people's tails off the answer is yes and then she sewed crystals into them so it makes creepy tinkling noises that she moves to i actually so do she's love that detail disconcerting as hell i love her yeah I wish good. that there was love between Silvermord and Nagru, because I think that they would be more terrifying if they loved each other. Fry needs to not be a coward and give us a power couple villain pair. <laughs> I mean, I don't care that he's dead. Do it anyway, Brian. We're going to summon your ghost with a Ouija board. <laughs> actually, I was We're going to summon you with a Luigi board. A Luigi board. I was actually talking to one of the librarians, like, towards the end of summer vacation, like while she was setting up and I was helping clean the library again, again for like the fifth time this summer because of the freaking moths. Ah! Anyway, um, I'm traumatized by moths now. Um, <laughs> they're bastards. They're bastards. They, they spawned. They, we, we had moth again this year. Anyway. Um, so I made her the joke about like, yeah, like we're rereading Redwall and stuff and we're going to yell at an old dead British guy. And she goes, oh, are you going to do a seance? And I said, we're about to. We're getting so close. We're getting Fingers ready. touching. <laughs> okay. So, so Silvermord and um, uh, Ergen Negru are werewolves, right? Oh, absolutely. These bitches are not vampires. No. Like, I mean, like. Nagru is literally called a fox wolf. That that's that's a werewolf if I've ever heard one. Yeah. But they're like they're like the werewolves who don't like actually shift into wolves kind of a thing. Just to add insult to injury. Yeah. The like lycanthrope condition, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get the cool werewolves that leave fish on your windowsill when you when you're hungry? Where's my wolvers at? Give us a wolvers! <laughs> I love wolvers. They're so cool. I've got okay, a wolver I think just because they need more love. They are great. So I think that is all of the questions that we can answer right now. Uh, we right. do have a question for later on in the book from Super Skylake that we have been holding on to for since the Deep Coiler showed up. <laughs> How many books ago now? <laughs> that was Salamandistron, wasn't it? It's so that been was... 84 years. That was only like two books ago. It's been 84 years. <laughs> so uh do we have anything else we want to say before we um, thank you if you if you have waited through this whole hiatus we took thank you for coming back and spending more time with us as we yell about a book for children um and have fun doing it 
Um, as always, like if you want to send us like any questions or asks or anything along those lines, you can contact us on Tumblr and tell your friends about us. Yeah, we're a good time. We're chill. Every time I tell people that I do a Redwall podcast, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, tell your friends about us. Like, people love this series. And if you're just like, oh, my friends are going to think I'm weird. Just No, it's a book podcast. There's so many book podcasts. Just be like, yeah, I'm listening to a book podcast about the Redwall series. You yeah. should give it a try. It's very good. Tell your friends about us. We don't do any fucking marketing. <laughs> I love you guys. Sorry, that came out a little bit more aggro than I meant it to. But we don't do any marketing. We don't have the money to do it. We do everything ourselves, which is why sometimes things take a while and mm. why we've got to make sure we take care of ourselves and take long breaks when we need them. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. I so, think that's all the questions for us. Yes. And all the uh, things we want to say. So let's do the outro. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. We are grateful that you lent us your ears, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. This has been Izzy. You can find me on Tumblr at Lots of Deer. Um, please be aware I've gotten very much into Minecraft YouTube, like Hermitcraft and shit, and it is just that all the time right now. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just warning you. If you want to block the tag that I tag it with, it's MCYT shenanigans. <sighs> anyway, uh, you can find me on Hope's Hearth Pod. You can find me on uh, SCP Research Archives, which Kit, at time of recording, just recorded three guest episodes for, which will hopefully be coming out when I have the brain to edit them. I got Dirk to record specialized intros for those. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear them. <laughs> yeah, it's super good. <laughs> I listened to Dirk record them yesterday. It was oh, so good. Oh, I want to hear them. Um, what else? Uh, Colchis is still in the process of being written. We've all kind of been really busy and haven't had time and energy to even fucking focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cauterized is also still be working, being worked on. Again, same reasons. But please keep an eye out for those when they do come out. I'm going to be super obnoxious about it when they do come out. Um, commission me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. That works. All right. And this has been Kit. Uh, you can find me at Kitsy in a box, all one word, on Tumblr and Blue Sky now. I'm still just kind of. Oh, fancy. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple invites if you want one. I'm um, thinking about it. I don't know yet. I mean, I've just kind of been tootling away at it. Um, it's it's all right. It is pretty much making just a your twitter. weird skeets. Uh, please don't call them that. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it is pretty much just a Twitter clone. But you know, I'm still figuring it out. Like I like I know there's the feed thing, and I still haven't got that figured out. Cause I'm too lazy to deal with it right now. I was like, I got other stuff I want to do. Um, we just all need to make Neo Cities websites and set up RSS feeds. And so, like, I do commissions as well. Uh, I have the Kitson Day, which are little dessert-adoptable-themed foxes. And if it hasn't sold by the time this episode comes out, somebody needs to go buy the Medusa one because it is so good. Yeah, I've got a Medusa-themed pre-made one going for $70, but that's because it only it, can, it includes the original base and a boosted form, which I spent a lot of the time and had fun. The boosted looks so cool. It was so much fun. I'm going to like, we're, I have a Cyclops one that I'm working on too, but I think, um, I think I've already got somebody lined up to take that one when it's done. So <laughs> you got to make a nobody. I do, what? Kingdom no Wars one. Nobody? No. Oh, no one. Yeah. <laughs> you said nobody. You my brain, no my brain goes, Xanort. <laughs> no, you got to make no one. <laughs>
have it be like low-key sheep themed or something (laughs) (laughs) all right anyway that's it for me uh kit's other podcast is the scp research archives so you guys should tune in uh those episodes are probably going to come out interspersed with some of the other ones I have recorded already. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all at once, because I think it's funnier if it's not all at once. <laughs> Just like my grumblings about like, why am I still doing this? Because like in in my recording, she did have to do them all in like one sitting and she's just like, why? <laughs> Good shit. So you can continue to find us at Abby Archives on Tumblr and Reddit, mostly on Tumblr. Please feel free to send us asks, start up conversations with us. Please talk to us, interact with us, engage with us. We very much enjoy it, and we want to hear from you guys. Trust us, we are not untouchable creatures. (laughs) We are very relaxed nerds. We're nerds talking about a nerdy thing that we love dearly. Please come talk to us. Uh, And also, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, The shameless plug shill bullshit this this thing because again we have no marketing budget we do not do any marketing any way people see us is from word of mouth and from your reviews on your podcatchers mm-hmm. we would love to see our reviews go up all of the reviews we've had so far i uh, from what i have seen have been positive we have not gotten any word reviews but we've gotten mostly four and five stars that's good so yeah thank you to anyone who does give us stars we appreciate those as well we do we love it so may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at Redwall Abbey. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right. We don't have to clap a second time. Well, can we though? Just for. For your sake? Yes. Okay. It's just, it's easier for me to line things up if we do the clap at the start and the clap at the end. Clap at the thoidy. Sure. The thoidy. 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 Why not the 25? Because. on social media you can follow us on tumblr and reddit at abby archives and if you would like to help support this podcast you can find us on coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash hs enclave this podcast is part of hearthside enclave and some other shows you might like are hope's hearth a solar hope punk actual play podcast and post-apocalyptic news radio a fallout inspired audio drama